Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. Companies that we work with and deliver payments for include marketing service providers that specialize in employee recognition, loyalty promotion, and disbursements that replace checks with greater efficiency, lower cost, better speed, higher security for all kinds of account payables. We make payments in the gig economy, the insurance segment, uh, apartment management, automotive, digital media, energy, marketplaces, retail companies, basically any corporation that wants or needs to make a payment to individuals or channel partners, we can help facilitate that payment. That was David Josephs, the CEO of DaVinci Payments. This is episode 35 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and David is our special guest this week. I'm your host, Greg Myers, and hey, before we get started, if you happen to office in Houston, Austin, or North Texas, check out Fuse Workspace, where their mission is to help others do more. Check them out at Fuse, F-U-S-E, workspace.com. Okay, back to the show. David lives just outside of Chicago, grew up in Queens, and went to Wesleyan University in Connecticut. He worked on Capitol Hill for six years and has been in payments for 20 years. DaVinci Payments tries to do justice to their name by blending art and science and a quarter century of experience to provide corporate payments through virtual and physical means with prepaid cards and other form factors. David has a passion for payments and a personal passion for reading. He provides some great insights about the future of payments and also provides some great insights for those just starting their careers. So let's get started. Hi, David. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Thanks so much, Greg. It's great to be here. Well, if you don't mind, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, maybe a few things like that. Sure. I'm married, and we have a 26-year-old daughter. We live just outside Chicago. Our daughter lives in Chicago itself. I grew up in New York City in Queens. I went to public high school and then to Wesleyan University in Connecticut. I spent the first six years or so of my professional career working on Capitol Hill as a legislative assistant to a congressman and a U.S. senator, and I've been involved in payments in one way or another for the better part of 20 years. Okay, great. Let's start talking about the company, DaVinci Payments. So tell the audience a little bit about what DaVinci Payments does. We try to do justice to our namesake. So DaVinci blends art and science and a quarter century of experience to deliver corporate payments for companies, their customers, and their end users. We do this virtually and physically through prepaid cards, through push payments, and other form factors. Companies that we work with and deliver payments for include marketing service providers that specialize in employee recognition, loyalty promotion, and disbursements that replace checks with greater efficiency, lower cost, better speed, higher security for all kinds of account payables. We make payments in the gig economy, the insurance segment, uh, apartment management, automotive, digital media, energy, marketplaces, retail companies, basically any corporation that 
wants or needs to make a payment to individuals or channel partners, we can help facilitate that payment. Okay. And how big is the company? Company has about 150 employees. Okay. And you mentioned some of the the markets that you serve. I would assume that the trend of the gig economy has played well into your wheelhouse. Yeah, we're doing well with the gig economy. There are so many different use cases in the gig economy. We have a client now that actually employs second language teachers that, you know, teach people all over the world, particularly in the United States, but all over the world. And they need to make payments to those teachers. And we help facilitate those payments. And as more and more people move into more and more flexible working environments, you see the needs for paying folks where they want to get paid and how they want to get paid, just multiplying. And DaVinci is really, really well positioned to help facilitate those payments in ways that benefit both the payer, you know, the companies that are providing platforms for the gig economy workers, as well as the workers themselves. Okay, so you don't necessarily have relationships with the end consumer, right? You're just through the payer. We do not. Our client is the payer, so we do not have a direct relationship with the end user. Now, the end user, of course, may end up with a payment product that we provide in his or her wallet or pocket. So to that extent, we would serve them as a you know customer, customer service type thing, but we do not have direct relationships with those folks. Okay. And then how do you go to market? Do you have a sales team or through partnerships or through both? How do you go to market? Both. We have a sales team, so we do sell direct, but we also have very, very valued channel partners that help us offer our services into those, you know, into those segments that we were discussing before. A lot of channel partners specialize in providing services beyond payments into those types of segments, and they need payment providers that can be very, very client-focused and very consultative in addressing the client's use cases. So we work closely with our channel partners to make sure that as they are providing the, what I would call upstream services, we're really, really well positioned to support them so that we can provide the payment services kind of at the back end in as customer-centric a fashion as possible. Okay. What would you say differentiates your company from others in the marketplace? We're constantly looking to disrupt payments for better experiences and bring value for all stakeholders. Stakeholders being, they could be our channel partners, could be the clients of our channel partners, or could be those end users that we were discussing. Some examples, we were a really early pioneer of choice for physical or digital payments. Do I want a physical card or would I like a digital credential, a virtual card? We use a variety of different form factors as well, push to card and those types of things. And we continue to focus on those moments of truth when end users receive and use their funds. And by continually to focus on those moments of truth, we really do generate tremendous value up and down the chain of stakeholders by making sure that everybody benefits We're not simply a payment processor. We strive to be an extension of our clients' brands, and we strive to provide unmatched, immersive branding within the payments experience. For example, we have our brand accelerator that provides a custom redemption experience where recipients claim their payment and check their balance. So what could be simply a, hi, here's your money, 
becomes a moment when we can empower brands to deliver marketing content with special promotions, enable consumers to enroll in loyalty or referral programs. We can provide video messaging and CRM messages triggered by particular data, all wrapped around that payment experience. Another example is our payment accelerator, particularly in the automotive space as well as retail segments. The payment accelerator can help drive traffic into stores or online It provides a virtual prepaid incentive that's sent by a text or an email to a recipient with an offer. And when the recipient redeems that offer, the reward is activated and the payment is applied. So again, as we differentiate ourselves, we try to embed ourselves within the experience that our clients are trying to deliver to their end users and use that payment experience to further extend the brand that we're representing. That's quite quite interesting. And you mentioned something earlier that you don't often hear people in the payment space say, but that you're developing is an art and a science. So can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, when you think about payments, they can be really sort of dull and basic, which is I need to get you money and you want to get the money that I owe you and I just send it to you. But there's so much around the experiences of those end users about how they want to be paid and how they want to spend that requires a little bit more understanding of the experience and a little bit more understanding of the end-to-end way that the end user is interacting with the payer, that it's just not as simple as how quickly can I move a payment. And being able to appreciate those distinctions and understand in different customer circumstances, different situations and specific interactions, what's the same and what's different? And how do we need to help adapt to those things that are potentially different? And that, to me, is the art. Yeah, I think it's really cool how you've wrapped the experience is as important as the actual payment. I think that's really cool. Well, let's talk about the industry broader. Where do you see the payments industry heading, say, in the next two to three years? You know, it's a very timely question. We just wrapped up some studies in the United States and the United Kingdom and Canada on the future of payments which identified how people are shopping and paying really under COVID conditions and how they intend to shop and spend in the future. Based on the findings from those studies, as well as just generally what we're seeing in the industry, over the next few years, I think we'll see continued migration to online payments. We'll see increased importance of mobile, sort of phone or tablet-based payments, as well as apps in that online space. Card credentials, whether those are prepaid or debit or credit, I believe will really still remain the underlying stores of value, but they'll be presented in new form factors. And people will increasingly want to be paid in ways that enable them to spend seamlessly and flexibly. As I think about sort of the next two to three years, I think those are the things that are going to become most sort of salient. Right. So does the trend of things moving online, does that help or hurt your business in any way? It doesn't help or hurt. We'll meet the consumer and that end user wherever he or she wants to spend. So we can address form factors that work really, really well in online or mobile, but we're also there 
to help support people spending in person, whether that's with a physical card or with a tokenized credential that's loaded in a phone that you can use at a point of sale environment. For us, it's not so much a choice about whether online or in-person spending or shopping is better. It's about where does that consumer want to be spending and how can we help facilitate that in the most flexible ways possible. Gotcha. So any pull the crystal ball out and think 10 years from now, what do you think things look like? Well, 10 years, I'm glad you said crystal ball because 10-year predictions can be taken with a grain of salt. I look back, you know, if you look backward 10 years, there were no mobile wallets. So here are some thoughts. I think there'll be a lot more virtual shopping experiences. And those virtual shopping experiences will become increasingly lifelike and payments will need to adapt to those new shopping experiences. I think payment form factors will also continue to evolve. I'm not sure what those new form factors will be. Certainly, we'll see an expansion of the Internet of Things with payments embedded in our refrigerators or our cars. Those types of things will continue. We may see other form factors like enhanced biometrics through retina scans, perhaps even physical payment implants that evolve from the watches and wristbands and rings that we can pay with today. Some of them may be completely beyond how we currently pay. But even as I think 10 years in the future, I think underlying all of these innovations, we will still see those basic stores of value. Bank accounts, debit cards, prepaid accounts and cards and lines of credit linked to credit cards and those core credentials and those core types of card credentials, I think even 10 years from now will remain fundamental credentials, but the forms factors will move way beyond plastic cards. Yeah. Who would have thought that you could get a car to come by and pick you up and you not have to pay anybody for it, right? Or seemingly. The payment experience (laughs) has just changed and those frictionless payments are quite beneficial. And then some people actually seek a little bit more control and they want to make sure that they know what they're spending on. So individuals will interact with all of these new technologies and all of these capabilities differently. But the beauty of it is as long as you remain flexible, you can allow individuals to interact with their money the way they choose to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. Tell us a little bit about your journey to your role there as the CEO of DaVinci Payments. So I actually began my career as a legislative assistant to a member of Congress and a U.S. senator, and I spent about six years in Washington, D.C. doing that. I then went to graduate school, and after graduate school, I moved into the private sector and focused on the business side of healthcare. That led me to Treasury Services at J.P. Morgan Chase. And it was there that I focused on different types of payments, especially card payments and processing, which eventually led to my experiences with Visa in both the U.S. and Europe. My time at at J.P. Morgan and at Visa gave me experience on the banking side, on the merchant payment side, in prepaid and other card products, as well as, and this gets a little bit to the art versus the science piece of it, and this is more the art side of it, as well as learning about the ways people like to pay and be paid in different countries and in different cultures. I've worked in sales roles and product roles. I think at heart, I'm a product person. I've even worked in policy advocacy for a little while. 
And all that prepared me to join DaVinci. Every job responsibility I've had, every client I've served, technology I've been exposed to, all that I've learned, including and maybe especially the mistakes that I've made, prepared me to take on this role at DaVinci Payments. Any desire to get back into the political side of things? None. <laughs> I had a feeling that might be your answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. So maybe give us one thing that you're passionate about on the work side and one thing you're passionate about on the personal side. On the work side, I really like payments, to be honest. I've talked about that moment of truth with each payment for both the payer and the payee that's fundamental to making the economy work. And trying to understand what works for both parties and make that one moment of interaction better is really fun for me, and I'm really passionate about it. It doesn't make me a tremendously interesting person to talk to at parties, but I'm really passionate about payments and those different moments of truth. Unrelated to work, I really like reading. I have liked reading pretty much all my life, and I'll read practically anything. Over the summer, I've read things as different as the true story of a group of over-the-hill safe crackers doing one last job, one last heist in London, and eventually getting caught, as well as The Great Influenza, which is John Barry's book about the 1918 global flu pandemic, which is clearly timely right now. Yeah. Any favorite authors? I'm kind of all over the place. I really like Tolkien. I really like Barbara Kingsolver. I like Dickens. I'm kind of all over the place. Okay. You know, when I started in payments about 15 years ago, which I actually was also at, at JP Morgan, it was called Chase Payment Tech at the time. But when I started in payments, it really wasn't necessarily an industry that people wanted to get into. It's not that they didn't want to get into it, it just wasn't really sort of as hot and sexy as it is now. A lot of money now invested in it. When you wrap fintech and payments in there together, I think people are now, you know, coming out of school with the desire to get into this industry. Even some colleges now offering fintech courses. So I always like to ask this question, you know, of, of CEOs is what would your advice be to someone just coming out of college, interested in payments? What would you tell them to do? What advice would you give them? So it's interesting you mentioned 15 years ago in payment tech, and maybe it wasn't sort of the hottest or coolest thing because payment tech has eventually evolved to be one of the great enablers of e-commerce globally. So a company that people may not have thought about as being cutting edge has actually helped the growth of the largest single segment of the global economy over the last decade or so. So that's one thing to sort of think about that Honestly, you just prompted by mentioning payment tech. But I think more generally, fintech is an exceptional growth field to be in. At this point in time, we're at the very beginning of what can become a cashless virtual payment global community. And the opportunities for innovation in this space I mean, the discussion that we just had a little bit early on where the industry will be in 10 years, I mean, my gosh, just like, my advice to someone coming into this space would be keep remembering that the sky is the limit in payments. Keep in mind that payments touch and empower aspects of everyone's lives. It can be as mundane as buying a sandwich or as profound as providing needed assistance in an urgent crisis. But 
there's a payment in that, in each of those activities and everything in between. And when you think about how much of just everyday life you can touch by being involved in payments, it's part of what drives my passion. And for someone starting in this space, I would just remind him or her to just keep thinking about it that way. Other advice I would give is to be really open-minded in how you think about potential jobs, the payment tech example we just used. There's also a potential these days to think that to be cool, you have to be new. Da Vinci's been around for a quarter of a century, so it's not by any sense the imagination new, but it's one of the most innovative places I've ever worked. So additional advice would be to someone starting out, explore what companies are doing. Don't necessarily look at sort of which company it is, is it new, is it old, where it sits in the space, but explore what companies are doing and try to find a match for your interests and use that match to get both a foundation and a springboard for what you want to do. Probably just two other quick pieces of advice for someone starting out in the space. One is payments is a really big space. Find ways to make payments better in the places that matter most to you. It's such a big industry that you should be able to align your interest and your passion with the opportunities that exist in such a dynamic industry. And then I think the last piece of advice, and I would give this to anybody, payments-oriented or not, is keep checking in with yourself and make sure that you're having fun and that you're learning. In this industry, you should be always learning. And if you're at the right place to be work, most of the time you should also be having fun. Yeah, I think that's all some great advice. Well, we've covered a lot today from details about DaVinci Payments and what you guys do there, a little about the industry, a little about you. So is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? Just reiterating what I said, I think payments are a great space. I think this is a fantastic industry. I'm thrilled to be part of it. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to spend time sharing my perspectives on it and appreciate anybody who's listening to this and, and sharing our passion for the space. Okay, great. Well, David, thanks so much for being on the show today. I know your time is very valuable, so I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Greg. I really appreciate the opportunity to participate. Great. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well.